So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jester Maxi lately. And let's get, <laughs> it's time to get real about Jesters. First of all, there has not been a lot of talk about Jester Maxing, but you have been texting us about Jester Maxing. Yeah, well, it's the thing is, a lot of people think that, you know, okay, so you're 5'3", not me, but you, you're you 5'3". You have a hat with a mm. bunch of um, different little spiky pieces coming off them. Sure, each of them, velvet, perhaps, yeah, different colors. E- each of them with a bell appended to it. Um, so when you shake your head, you sort of sound like a, mm. you know, some kind of Christmas miracle or a dog running down the street. Perhaps men matching pantaloons. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You look like a circus tent, um, except you're, you know, a small person and, uh, and you cavort around the king mm. instant, like women, women want that. Now. Two things. One, in my head, uh-huh. I can totally see the Chad Jester Maxer. Yeah. Like in Big his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that like that Chad walk. You know how he's kind of got like bow legs? But in yeah. the Jester yeah. pantaloons would be yeah. very cute. Someone drew up for me ASAP. Two, I believe that Brace, you are proof positive of the great success of Jester Maxing from an early well, age. Okay, I'll be real with you. I'm not. I'm. I'm too tall to be a jester. I could possibly qualify as a court Jew or a like a smiling accountant. Other, those are other positions in the king's court that are often available to people of normal height that I am. Um, but but yeah, here's the deal. All right, I've told the banana peel slipping story on this podcast. We've a few both times. slipped on banana peels. Remember? Yeah, I yeah, like that yes. about both of us. Uh, but fellas, if you, if you toss a little banana peel, especially a little soggy banana peel out on the ground in front of you, like a damn frontal facing Caltrop Mm. and, uh, and you, you bust your kids onto that bitch and you slip and fall, it kind of go into a twirl. Basically no woman can resist you. However, no, we're not done. We're not done. No, no, we're not done. I've been also thinking about something else. Are you familiar with the story of Humpty Dumpty? Absolutely. The egg sure. uh, guy falls, breaks, uh, you know, et cetera. Yes. That's what I, I, my, I, I, this has been coming to me sort of in bits and spurts and, uh, you know, through conversations with other people is that I could probably write like a, a self-help, you know, those like work the fuck on yourself or like what the shit is wrong with your or what the shit is wrong with your stupid woman brain or whatever kind of books. Mm. Um, I could write a book, easily sell this in any, any given like little sort of, you know, gift card shop that have like the bookshelf on it is women. Why women want to suck off Humpty Dumpty. You don't like that. I don't think he has one. Humpty Dumpty? Yeah. No. Well, he's he, just he, an egg. No, he's in. Well, so you misunderstand here. Look up any picture of Humpty Dumpty, which I've done. He's actually usually wearing little britches. No, it's an egg with little pants. But it doesn't yeah, mean exactly. that's got one. Why would he wear pants if he didn't have one? Uh, I don't know. Bring it up. No. I, 
There, okay. Ooh, see this? Yes. This is a yes. No, 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 no. Because uh-huh. that is a classic conundrum with the cartoons. They see, all have dicks. for example, uh-huh. see, for example, the conundrum cited in Seinfeld, unclear which season, which episode, but where Jerry brings up, you know, why is you know, Donald always wearing a shirt, but then he gets out of the shower and he's got a towel on. Uh-huh. Yeah, makes sense. But so um, there's no continuity or logic to cartoon clothing. That is something that I really, really believe. And so I do not believe that dumpty pants are proof of anything beneath uh, said pants. Explain this picture I just sent you then of Donald Duck. What's going on there? How does he doing that if he if there's nothing if there's nothing in there? I have at I don't, mm. this is, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. Yeah. Mystified again. I don't think you're understanding what you're looking at. <sighs> Women, listen, this, people are going to love this book. Uh, my name is Brace. Uh, I'm not wearing pants and I don't have a penis. I'm Liz. Hello. We are, of course, as always, joined by our producer, Young Chomsky. You are listening, in case you didn't realize, to Tronon. Hello, everyone. Hello. We've got, uh, an exclusive interview with a woman who's had sex with Humpty Dumpty. Okay. Today. I have something that I want to address. Okay. Because I've been thinking about this a lot since our last episode that was free, which was about the mm-hmm. Olympics. Because I have been watching a little bit of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And if people listen to that episode, they will remember that I revealed something personal about myself in a moment of weakness, which is that yes. I... Was once a synchronized swimmer. Self-criticism, yeah. Um, It has come to my attention after watching the Olympics a little bit, dabbling, that it's not called synchronized swimming anymore. It's called artistic swimming. Did you know Really? Yes. Dude, this is... Okay, I feel very strongly about this. I don't think that makes... It makes no sense. Synchronized swimming has the alliteration, but also, I mean, it's it's pretty plain. I mean, the women are singing, excuse me, swimming in, in sync with each other. Yes. This yeah. sport is not some like, you know, highfalutin, like, oh, I'm just going to get in the water and like dance around like a paintbrush because I'm feeling so artistic. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's synchronized, militant, requires like really intense discipline and strength. Yeah. It's well, not, not like strength, some yeah. art. No, it really does. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, I know, I know. It's not, it's, you're not going in there and body painting. No, like, so what, this like shit, this shit like really, really annoys me. Like, I feel so passionate about this. This like really upset me when I was like, when I saw this, like, what the hell? Well, I mean, I mean, it is, I I have no defense or I, I, I frankly am speechless at this. Um, Are they still doing it in sync? Yes, of course. Well, That's then it's the entire objectively sport. Synchronized, it's objectively synchronized swimming then. Ugh. Someone get the IOC on the phone. Um, I want to talk to you, Liz, about something. What? We've got a little bit grab bag today. Mm. We're, uh, we've scattered the chicken feet on the ground and we're pecking like, like I guess, like chickens. <laughs> um, I so thought you really said chicken feet on the ground. And I was like, feet, I don't yeah. think chicken peck at their own feet. No, they don't. Well, pick, chickens are, I don't know if we start on chickens. They're fucking idiotic animals. Um, cruel little craven, cowardly beasts. 
Um, let's talk about a little op-ed that you wrote that landed you in some trouble. <laughs> oh my God. So I didn't write this, but oh, I'm just reading the-, the notes here. Yeah. So, whoa. Okay. Thrust the episode totally changed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Stupid. No, one of Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyers wrote an op-ed in our one of our favorite papers and also one of Ghislaine Maxwell's favorite papers, the Daily News, the New York Daily mm-hmm. News. Is that uh, the one Sean King writes for? <laughs> Where is he, by the way? Isn't he uh, like missing or something? Uh, he's in, uh, he's in uh, Elohim right now. <laughs> Uh, I know he bought it. He bought a five bedroom house. He really deserves it. Uh, but yeah, but I think, yeah. So the New York daily news. Yeah. Okay. So this is an op-ed. This was about a month ago. They published this. It's, um, Bill Cosby is free. Semicolon. Ghislaine Maxwell should be comma two. This is by David Oscar Marcus, who is one of Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyers. So the thrust of this, I mean, it's, listen, like all New York, well, actually New York Post is is usually pretty straightforward, but New York Daily News, every couple lines is broken up by like a banner ad. Mm. And so the article looks, which, by the way, you should be able to do in academic context. Like if you write a paper for work or excuse me, for school, you should be able to put ads in it and get paid a little bit because your professors will see them and it makes it longer. Uh so the thrust of this seems to be, uh, I just got a note from Google saying, oh, snap, this page is unresponsive and it disappeared. So, oh, did you get the sad on. face? I don't know why that just happened. Because there's too many pop-ups. Too many pop-ups. You know what? You could win a presidential, mm, let's say nomination, by just campaigning on there's too many damn pop-ups. Well, also, ad blocker doesn't work anymore. Yeah, ad blocker you, actually makes websites more annoying because now I have to disable mm-hmm. ad blocker. Yeah, or uh, when you go into whatever it's called, like sleuth mode or whatever. What's the sleuth mode? Liz <laughs> pretending she doesn't know what private mode is. Private incognito. mode. That's right. Yeah, incognito. <laughs> I guess I didn't really know what it was either. I couldn't remember. You know what? Sleuth mode sounds way cooler than incognito. I'm always in sleuth mode. Anyways, the thrust of the article seems to be, or directly is. Uh, so Cosby was jailed for the rape of a woman that, I mean, you know, famous case, woman was mentoring, obviously accused of rape by dozens and dozens and dozens of women. Uh, but he was in this particular instance uh, imprisoned, uh, you know, put on trial and imprisoned for a rape of a woman. He'd actually was involved in a case he'd made a, uh, a deal in to testify in exchange for, I believe, not uh, having like criminal charges filed against him. Uh, this goes all the way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which mm. I am honored to serve on, and uh, except not in this case. And they, uh, I mean, I might have the exact legal parlance, parlance, the exact legal parlance wrong on this, uh, but he had his sentence overturned, and he was very famously freed recently. And so, Galen's lawyer's uh, argument here seems to be that Galen is covered under the uh, the non prosecution, the very famous non prosecution agreement that Epstein signed back in Florida. And so any charges against her will be bogus and she'll get, she'll get her shit vacated. Yeah. That's like literally what they say, what, what uh, Marcus, uh, again, her lawyer says in the op-ed, um, he says, you know, the court framed the issue as whether the prosecutor's quote decision not to prosecute Cosby in exchange for his testimony must be enforced against the Commonwealth. That seems pretty straightforward, right? Even prosecutors should have to live up to their end of a bargain. If a prosecutor promises something, he should be bound by his word, just like the rest of us. This opinion and reasoning applies directly to Ghislaine Maxwell's case. (laughs) 
So he lays it out pretty pretty clearly there. Um, this got a lot of, I think, because also it had the clickbaity headline. Of course. <laughs> which is like, you know, there's many ways, I guess, you can compare Cosby and Maxwell, but I don't think most people's first, uh, first you know, thought there was about a non-prosecution <laughs> agreement. Yes, yes. Well, I talked, you know, I actually talked to a few sharks about this, a.k.a. lawyers, mm. uh, and- you know, all these little eggheads, you know, with their Latin and their different words and stuff, they also tell me crazy shit. But, uh, but apparently this is not a very strong argument, mm. um, especially because Epstein is dead. Like that actually can put some weird complications into this as well. Um, and so it doesn't like there, there, I mean, that, that MPA was, I believe, upheld uh, last year or something involving it was. Um, but they, the the lawyers at SDNY or the prosecutors at SDNY, I think, are keeping, have kept this in mind because obviously that loomed very large over all of this work, right? Um, and so it looks, I mean, you know, a lot of people made some noise about why are there such disparate timelines for the different women who are involved in this case. And I think that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. What happened too recently was just like last week, the U.S. District Judge Allison Nathan uh, in Manhattan, the one who's kind of overseeing all the all of the trial, she uh, you know released a statement or like you know a memo that admonishing the Maxwell's legal team about this and was like, you can't just write op eds, basically like you're totally tainting the jury pool, you're, you know, they're violating a court rule against lawyers making extrajudicial statements. But I think it's like so funny because it's like, how the hell are they going to find a jury for this? Exactly. Like who does, who are, because I mean, I've never like the thing with, have you ever gone to jury duty? No. Well, no, I've been to jury duty, but I've been like dismissed. I've never been picked as a juror. They were like, you don't know anything about murder they were like you don't know anything and you know i do the whole thing where it's like i i tell them straight up like i am gonna lie and about everything and also this person's guilty my dad i don't know who the who the case is about but they're guilty my dad got out of it which is weird because he would i think he had to work but his whole thing was he was like they should legalize all crime which is uh, which is God, a really like father, good way because like they can it's un- inarguable i have never gone to jury duty now that and, I think, you know, I would be a good juror. Well, this, so, so this is actually a big problem is that mo- like, I, I'm not, not, not making a joke here is that like a lot of people who I think would be maybe smart and good at being jurors are also smart enough. I'm not saying you're stupid if you do jury duty, but you know, you can get out of it pretty easy and you don't yeah, want totally. to do it because you know how much it, it can fucking suck or, or at least you've heard how much it can suck. Plus it, you pay, it pays like shit. Uh, and so there's actually like a lot of moron jurors out there because people just like don't a lot of time uh, are just like, well, can't figure out how to get out of it. Or like, I mean, especially in this case, how do you not know much about this case? Like, how do you not have like a preconceived notion about one of the most famous pedophiles that's currently alive in Manhattan? Exactly. (laughs) Incredulous Jones. That's like the definition of a juror. I mean, they're going to have Mr. Big up there. Is that, did I get that right? Wait, Mr. From Sex in the City. They're gonna have Mr. Big up there, and he's gonna be like, "Yeah, I knew at Jeffrey Epstein from financial dealings I had in the 1990s." They're gonna have Claire. You, you know, Mr. Big is actually his character was based on Donald J. Trump. 
Really? Mm. Obviously, prior to that would be so funny, actually, because, you know, there's like a new season of Sex and the City being filmed, which is very weird and kind of sad. Mm. But it's happening. And they're all very geriatric. But it would be so funny then if the turn was then that Mr. Big. Was Trump? <laughs> yeah, that would be, that'd and, be like, excellent. Ran for president. I actually would watch that. Like Carrie being a like trying to. It's so difficult navigating being hated by everyone because Mr. Big is making America great again. Yeah, <laughs> forced to go on Red Scare and explain herself. <laughs> Um, what, so what, all right. So the other thing too, and lawsuit news, we're little court reporters here, baby. Uh, we, we're jack of all trades. We're jester maxing on this show. We are jester maxing on this one. Uh, we are a uh, little juror maxing. We're, we're fucking, That's we're doing a, a roundup here. We're doing a roundup, classic mm-hmm. roundup. Uh, Dershowitz is getting sued by Netflix. Uh, <laughs> apparently the show big mouth is based off of much of his lifestyle. And uh, I can't finish this, but you guys are both shaking. He does have a big mouth, though. So that's, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you should have gone that route because he can't stop talking, can't stop yapping. Also allegedly a pedophile. So, yeah, he is getting sued by them claiming he was hoodwinked. (laughs) Or he's rather, he was claiming he was hoodwinked. He sued them, I believe. We covered that on the show a million years ago. And now they're countersuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, he Dershowitz a long time ago. Remember when Netflix came out with the series Filthy Rich, which we yes. covered on the show? Um, he uh sued Netflix for saying, like you said, saying he was hoodwinked into participating, which is very funny because it was very odd that he participated. And I mean, not in like a um uh you know, Ollie G uh way where you get like, you know. You get caught on yeah, candy yeah, camera yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. he's like interviewed extensively <laughs> for the series, a uh, very willing participant. And um, so, so the whole suit was very weird. Netflix has what, as the kids say, clapped back. Mm. Uh, they say that they're now entitled, <laughs> the company Netflix is entitled to compensatory damages and punitive damages because Dershowitz commenced this action for the purpose of harassing, intimidating, punishing Netflix free exercise of speech. Well, the funny thing is too, is that uh, the counterclaim, the counterclaim says even before filthy rich was released, Dershowitz made clear that he would sue over his portrayal in the series unless his story was told in the exact manner he wanted. And when he realized that filthy rich would not be used as a vehicle to tell only his side of the story, he brought this current lawsuit seeking to suppress the Leroy defendant's speech on matters of public concern. So here's the thing is if you're Alan Dershowitz, you are f- very publicly, constantly accused of having been a pedophile that was involved with Jeffrey Epstein. Someone is making a documentary about Jeffrey Epstein being a child molester. And you part. What do you think is going to happen? Like you're he such a. He can't uh, help himself. He can't help himself, and I think that I think that he probably knew and maybe thought he'd get some money out of it too. Like he could maybe. Mm. You know he's a he's a he's a slippery little spider, and so that, that I mean I wouldn't put it past him to be aware of that, but he is, I I gotta say, increasingly becoming dumber, and so it's possible yeah. that he he this is this is at face value. It would yeah, it would be very funny if it's actually true that he just assumed the story was about him and him saying his side 
or like the yeah, whole series yeah, was yeah. about. It's <laughs> like, wait, I thought Filthy Rich. This was about me. So speaking of uh, military-aged males, I'd like to see through a thermal uh, camera mounted on a flying vehicle. Uh, mm. We have Bill Gates opening up about his divorce. Uh, apparently, he has been seen with. I'm trying to think of a uh, contemporary famous person. And Olivia Rodriguez, Rodrigo. Rodrigo. She's like 18, I think, right? Don't, not familiar with who that is. Um, I just know that there was people talked about her a lot like a couple months ago, and then it kind of went away without me really figuring out what it was. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he's talking about how he, were, he was on Anderson Cooper, who, let's be real, Anderson Vanderbilt, uh, mm-hmm. getting uh, getting interviewed you know, about his, this guy, I got to tell you, cannot say no to an interview. Anderson Cooper? No, Bill Gates. Oh, oh he's always yupping. When the fuck is he running his fucking little scam foundation? Like, he's always just out there talking and talking and chipping and chirping. Bill Gates must die. He's gained a bit of weight. Yeah. Well, so there's not really, you know, there's not a ton like, you know, there's no revelations or anything like this, but he's basically like, I really regret meeting with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, he said it was a huge mistake to spend time with him to give him the credibility. I made a mistake. It's just so funny. It's like what I think is interesting, just from, you know, PR Liz, PR Liz Brain mm-hmm. says, now, when we did our episodes on the divorce, the Gates divorce, we were saying yeah. that Melinda was, I mean, her team was incredible by putting all that Epstein info out. Insane. Yeah. Just beautiful. Bam, bam, bam on the offensive. Incredible work. Mm-hmm. Shouts to the Melinda Gates, I guess, yeah. divorce team. Kill um, the boar. But it's, so it's even funnier that Bill Gates felt like he had to schedule an interview with Anderson Cooper in order to address the Epstein thing. Yeah. And this is what they came up with. It's, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's rookie, absolute rookie shit, which is from, from Bill. I mean, it doesn't matter. Nothing that can like, Bill Gates has been hailed by every single bad person in America as the greatest hero of all time. Mr. Vaccine, Mr. Fucking going to fix the planet, Mr. Buying up the farmland, great guy. Uh, and so it, I, it's uh, in a sense, it doesn't really matter if he has like a really coherent statement about or anything like that. Notably, they'll never ask him about how his former chief science advisor, Boris Nikolic, had became to be named the fucking executor of Epstein's will. I mean, that'll never, I mean, that seems like if, you know, I'm no journalist, uh, but if I was Anderson Cooper, I would first of all touch my boobs because that would be so sick. Uh, but I would, uh, I would ask him about that. I mean, that's an actual like journalistic question that you should ask somebody. I mean, it's, it's the beyond just the absolute most surface stuff, but I mean, it is, and it's even pretty close to the surface itself, but Never going to happen. Nothing nothing to do with it. I mean, totally can wash the hands of it. Yeah, the whole thing is PR. I mean, that's all Anderson Cooper exists for. So speaking of a little last little bit of Epstein stuff here, um, the other black book, uh, which was which was released. Mm. Actually, funnily enough, I know the guy. This is going to set up a lot of alarm bells in people's heads. I love it. You know I, what? 
let's put a little fish food out there for little fishies. Exactly. Go swim in. So I, yeah, I know the guy who, who actually purchased the book off of eBay, uh, the eBay listing you can, you can find online. It is pretty funny because it just says Jeffrey Epstein black book found on New York sidewalk. 94 is the title of it. Um, classic. That's a classic eBay listing, by the way. You don't see much of those anymore. Don't see a lot of that. Uh, he bought it for about 500 bucks. It's got Chris Halali. Real eBay heads. No. Um, but uh, but it is it is it does appear to be Jeffrey Epstein's little black book from uh, from the '90s, and it has a lot of different names that uh, that do not pop up in in the later iterations of the black book. Um, I'm still digging through it. I have uh, I have the unredacted version, so I'm going to of course be calling some of these people. Uh, there is a really funny entry with uh, the Trilateral Commission immediately followed by Donald Trump. Mm. Um, which is just, we love seeing that sort of image. We love seeing that nothing else came in there in between those when you alphabetize them. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but business insider put out an article kind of, they, they, they spent a long time going over it, uh, had it, you know, verified by, you know, one of those motherfuckers who verifies old things. Um, and, uh, and they had a really funny, uh, I believe maybe mini interview with Marty Peretz, uh, who, I'm sure our listeners are huge fans of. Uh, he had taken over the very famous for having taken over the New Republic in 1974 and making it into one of the worst magazines in human history. Not that it was so great before, uh, but his interactions with Epstein here. He claims they met at the dedication of a campus Hillel building at Harvard uh, mm. with Leslie Wexner, which is just what a what a tableau that is. Mm. Um, Sounds like a lovely event. Yeah, Marty Peretz is guilty of so many things, and so it is no difficulty for me to call him allegedly uh, within a pedophile network. There's another. There's another entry too for a guy named Robert Nunnery, who is not uh, on any society list. He's not any who's who's books. Uh, he appears to be, and it looks like Business Insider came to the same conclusion as I did. Uh, his his LinkedIn appears to, before it was locked, say that he was a uh, possibly a customs and border patrol officer. Uh, the, the business insider article says nunnery was cagey when asked about his relationship with Epstein and asked to read insiders previous coverage to see if it was fair before submitting to an interview. He said he was an NYPD officer and federal agent. He demurred when asked if he was a customs agent for 31 years. I never knew about any of these things. He said when asked if he ever wit- witnessed Epstein around underage girls, I knew he liked women. And so Epstein did have, uh, and so did Jean-Luc Bernal, some sort of connections within the uh, you know, American immigration system. They were able to get green cards very easily for underage girls that they trafficked into the country. Um, they were able to, to enter and leave the country basically at a whim, even if uh, facing charges, stuff like that. And so, uh, so this is, I think, a pretty, a pretty important lead. You know, the guy that does say there's a Robert Nunnery that lives in New Jersey. No idea if it's the same guy, but it does appear to match the information in this, uh, in this Business Insider article as well. Also, Chris Cuomo's wife is in there. And listen, there's a, if you're a Cuomo, here's what I would advise you to do. First of all, either marry Kennedy uh, or simply leave the country and change your name. You guys are not having a great run of luck lately, and uh, and I'm sure there's nursing homes all over the all over the world that you can send old people infected with COVID nineteen into. Um, and so you don't have to do that do that in New York. Uh, but yeah, I'm still looking through this book and uh, and and uh, into some of these names.
So as we were putting together some uh, information for today's show, this story was published, and I saw like Ed Snowden tweeting a bunch about it, which um, I actually didn't. I don't know why I'm saying that because I don't remember or didn't read what he tweeted, but I'm sure that it was alarm, uh, as the man is, uh, you know, very. He tends to tweet a lot about like civil liberties and that kind of thing. Um, but Apple announced plans to scan U.S. phones for child sexual abuse images. This is from the a Guardian report. Um, Apple will soon scan photo libraries stored on iPhones and in the U.S. for known images of child sex abuse, the company says, drawing praise from child protection groups but crossing a line that privacy campaigners warn could have dangerous ramifications. Apple's tool called Neural Match, which um, that is a really wild name usually Mine's apple is unmatched. better at branding and neural match but okay setting that aside for a second we'll scan images before they are uploaded to the company's icloud photos oh before they are uploaded to the company's icloud photos online storage comparing them against a database of known child abuse imagery if a strong enough match is flagged then apple staff will be able to manually review the reported images and if child abuse is confirmed the user's account will be disabled and the national center for missing and exploited children notified yeah i i read the press release that apple put out about this um a couple of days ago they they, they lumped it or I, th I think it was a couple of days ago well, regardless appeared very recently and they sort of lumped it in with some other child protection tools like such as you know you can get a thing on your child's phone, where if they're sent sexually explicit imagery, you get an alert, stuff like that. Uh, not sure how that that works. And I try to figure out sort of the technology behind this. Uh, it apparently has something to do with hashing, which, got to be honest with you, none of my business. That's that's grade two stuff. I'm grade one. Um, and uh, but you know, it, it say they say they don't actually look at the picture. So like if you upload a picture of like your naked baby or something, it, it won't like scan that and say, oh, this person has, you know, pictures of naked babies on their phone. Although it does, I mean, they do do that. It's just not, it's slightly different than in this instance. Um, but I think one of the big things here is that, is that Apple is going to be basically like scanning people's like phones and their, their, their private, you know, their laptops, their, 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 you know, computers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that, I think, raised a lot of alarm bells for people. Yeah, the, the piece continues. Tech companies, including Microsoft, Google, Facebook, have for years been sharing digital fingerprints of known child sexual abuse images. Apple has used those to scan user files stored in its iCloud service for child abuse images. But the decision to move such scanning on device is unprecedented among major technology companies. And I guess that's the innovation um, and sort of, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I To be honest, like, I don't understand that much about the technology. I'm like you, grade one. You know, they were like, hey, learn to code. Didn't do that. Sorry, my yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, but I think it does actually raise some interesting questions because it says that if a strong enough match is flagged, then Apple staff will be able to manually review the reported images. And that, um, you know, that reminds me so much. And I have questions about how similar or dissimilar this would function to kind of like the quote unquote content moderation that so many online sites like Facebook, YouTube, all of that, uh, you know, rely on, which, you know, by the way, it's like human labor and, and requires people to kind of, you know, uh, basically be inundated with really, really repulsive, uh, traumatizing images like day after day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is, is, is obviously this says like an algorithm or whatever will detect the, uh, the hashes and, and match them. But if enough hashes are matched, then an actual human is going to have to, you know, have to look at these images, um, which I mean, Christ, you know, it's the, the, the stories that came out of the Facebook moderation, um, you know, uh, workplaces like the contractors they used are famously horrifying. I mean, that was, that was some of the worst PR I think Facebook ever got. Um, and I can't, I mean, this is like, it's, it's just straight up all child rape. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine, um, you know, it's gonna be terrifying. Yeah, there was a great piece for like two years ago called The Trauma Floor uh, on The Verge by Casey Newton. We can link to it. Um, it's a tough read for sure. But it was, the reporter was detailing employees who worked for a firm called Cognizant, which is which was contracted by Facebook. Facebook in general tends to, and I think most companies do to what I'm assuming is some legal loophole loophole and also it's always cheaper to do so they yeah. tend to um uh contract all of this kind of work out uh and you know this is what her piece said uh it is an environment where workers cope by telling dark jokes about committing suicide then smoke weed during breaks to numb their emotions in stark contrast to the perks lavished on facebook employees team leaders micromanage content moderators every bathroom and prayer bit break where employees desperate for a dopamine rush amid the misery have been found having sex inside stairwells where people develop severe anxiety while still in training and continuing to struggle with trauma symptoms long after they leave um and you know what's it's crazy because after the 2016 election facebook was basically criticized for not moderating enough content on their site. Like, remember that was like that huge thing and all these people and like Congress had those hearings being like, oh, Donald Trump was elected because of Facebook. Why aren't you moderating all this shit out? Blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And so there was, while like content moderation was happening already via, um, you know, not just AI stuff, but but with like workers, a lot of whom had been outsourced overseas because of that huge, crazy con- congressional push, like all the oversight, uh, I mean, not really like regulatory oversight, but the, you know, uh, increased attention on Facebook for the lack, their quote unquote, lack of content moderating. They hired like thousands and thousands and thousands of more moderators. And so more and more and more people were subjected to basically workdays full of uh, watching snuff films and suicides and child pornography and just like the most horrific shit that you can imagine. Like the most horrific, horrific, horrific shit that anyone could ever produce and put on the internet. Like these people had to see for their jobs. It's horrifying. It's funny in a way. I think it's like the most distilled internet user experience that there is, is that you go into this like, fucking office building you you all your possessions have to be in a clear plastic bag uh you're not allowed to have your phone and you are just forced to look at some of the most awful images that that mankind can produce day in and day out that i think to me is like the actual spiritual essence of the the, the internet there and the internet user experience is just to gaze at that shit all day and then eventually kill yourself um i think that that's everything else is just we're, we're all just kind of faking it um there's, you know, there's another, there's another question here too of whether like, you know, Apple's iMessage is supposed to be end-to-end encryption, right? Like, totally encrypted. Yeah. Um, and this is introducing a backdoor. 
And it's a back door that's supposed to be used for a good thing, right? Like it's it's supposed to be used to uh, you know, identify child sex exploitation. I mean, one of the most vile, horrific things imaginable. Um, but uh but I, I you know, there is a good point being raised here by a lot of its detractors, is in that like that is very possible that door has been opened and i mean obviously you know the stance here is nothing you say on the internet it's it's not nothing secure it's fake that's a fake concept like your i message chats are not encrypted in 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 the sense that like other people can't read them because they can um but you know this sort of official backdoor opening here i mean that door can open a lot wider and uh you know with all the talk of the domestic terrorism and stuff like this i mean you know, it's obvious that uh, that that the potential here is a is a, it's a much wider scope than uh, than just uh, you know ex- images of child sex exploitation. I mean, one thing I'll say is that like I think it's absolutely true that that is the real internet, and like the the stuff that we experience is you know obviously we don't have to deal with any of that, but like we get to experience the internet that we experience because other people have to experience the other internet, and yeah. like. I don't know. It it really like trips me up when I think about that and that there's this sort of like necessary byproduct that requires that level of um, like intense, intense trauma. I don't know. It really like fucks me up. Well, I think too, like, I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've been, this is a, I think maybe a common mantra for me at this point is that like, I think the internet's like a really evil thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a very, like, like, a demonic um like virus that 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 that's out there like i I don't think that there's anything really like it's i think it's been a net negative i mean without beyond a shadow of a doubt been a bad thing um and and hurt more people than it's helped by you know it i mean i don't think i I don't think that's even quantifiable um but uh but yeah i mean it's it's like the internet that we use is basically like a device. It's a way for people to get dopamine rushes. It's a way for people mm. to uh, hurt other people and get a dopamine rush. It's a way to promote yourself and get a dopamine rush. I mean, that's all it is. It's like a, especially the way it's used now. I mean, it's just like a constant, constant cycle that rewires your fucking brain and makes you like, it makes you into a different person. And that's the thing is like, I think people like assume it's kind of natural because it's happening, you know, like, well, this is the way the world works. Like this is the natural course of technology. This is, you know, we're we're like going forward and like, yeah, of course human beings are able to to handle the internet. Like we created it. Like we use it all the time. No problem. Um, but I don't think that we can. Like I think there is, I think it, I think it really fucks with your brain in a way that's like really evil and bad and fucked up. And like it 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 makes you entertain impulses that you wouldn't normally. Um or at least have no ability to act on. And so, I mean, this is, that's, that's why I, I think to- totally agree. Like this is the way that these people have to look at the internet. Like this is, this is the, uh, and this is the purest form of it. It's like the soul of the internet. That they're touching. So, Brace, I have an announcement. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. It is in just a couple of days. We are one month away from the 20 year anniversary of September 11th. 
So in just okay, uh, I, you're confusing me with too many numbers there, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay, we're like basically a month out, and it's it's going to be the 20th anniversary of 9/11. Now, a mm-hmm. couple things. One, what did you get me? <laughs> Actually, the the Christmas season for 9/11 spans from September 11th through the date that the first anthrax attacks hit. You know what? People have been putting the September 11th decorations up all the way in fucking June now. I'm sick of They're going in the grocery to, stores earlier and earlier every going year. Going to CVS and seeing these toy planes and it's just ridiculous. It's July. I'm going to be real with you though. We are about to be inundated with so much 9/11 shit. Yeah, yeah, we are. And I'm kind of curious because 9-11 has, as I will say, faded really far. Yeah, low-key fell like, off. It fell the fuck off. Yeah. And it's and so... I, it, that was part it, of our podcast mission, to bring back 9-11, which, uh-huh. to be fair, thank God, we did not go with that as a slogan. Yes, yes. Uh, well, the problem is, is that Hillary Clinton did, bet, did Benghazi on 9-11 to make it so that there's too many 9-11, and that really confused people. That was actually, uh, did you see how Hulu is doing a uh, kind of like if ladies no. ran the world mo- TV show? That they've was like what Hillary TV was going show. for with Benghazi. They've made this fucking TV show like a hundred times. They made Madame Secretary, I remember was one. No, that was no, but this literally- one is where all of the, it's like all the men get COVID. Spoiler, real life. All the men get COVID or something. No, it's not COVID, but it's like all the men literally die. It's like they literally die except for one guy. Okay, no, I was talking about the TV shows where they just pretend a woman was president. Yeah, no, 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 no. This show is like, okay, what if we lived in a world with no men? And I think it's like, spoiler, it sucks too. I don't know what it is like. Yeah. You know. Um, well, let me tell you here. They made a real life version of that Christine Lagarde. If it were Layman's sisters, the world would be a little different. This is uh they made this. What's that movie with all the the lady? I uh, fucking. It's what's her name? I actually. I'm not doing a joke. I can't remember the actual name of it. They're like you can never the, remember the name. The Handmaid's Tale. That's yeah. The Handmaid's Tale. Listen, I you know sometimes if you jester max too much, mm. everybody gets mad at you, and they make TV shows about bad things you've done, and then put you on billboards, and people write think pieces about it, and so. In a way, like my life has been like The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I to understand women were in a lot of trouble in that television show. And I've gotten a lot of trouble too. And there needs to be more shows about guys who get in trouble too. Because people get mad at us a lot. <laughs> and by us, I mean specifically me a lot. Uh, but 9-11, uh, let's roll. So there's a 9-11 party, I guess? No, it's not a party. The 9-11 families. So uh-huh. remember, that's the organization um, of about like 1,800 Americans who were like directly affected by 9-11. Either they had members in the who were killed in the attacks or members who were first responders, et cetera, et cetera. They're actually um, suing or attempting to sue Saudi Arabia uh, at the moment. But so they've asked Biden not to attend any anniversary memorials. Um there was, I guess, I don't remember this, by the way, but I guess Biden made a pledge to declassify government evidence. Yeah, that, I, so I I looked for that. I couldn't find it either. Yeah, I I mean, look, they'd know better than I would. Yeah. But they yes. say that Biden is reneging on a pledge. I'm guessing it's the Fed's pledge, not Biden. Um, 
But they say since the conclusion of the 9-11 Commission in 2004, much investigative evidence has been uncovered implicating Saudi government officials in supporting the attacks. Through multiple administrations, the DOJ and the FBI have actively sought to keep this information secret and prevent the American people from learning the full truth about the 9-11 attacks. Um, yeah, so they are they're asking Biden literally not to attend. I hope that would I mean obviously Biden's gonna make a big show out of some big 9-11 parade or whatever they're gonna do. Um I really hope that there would be like some kind of confrontation. That would be very cool. It would no doubt not be covered by the lamestream media, which is always running cover for the U- the US government on anything 9-11 related. Um but yeah, I mean they are, you know, they are really trying to get the the feds to declassify a, a ton of information. Well, the thing is with the, the loss, I mean, there, there have been basically ongoing lawsuits against Saudi Arabia in, involving, excuse me, uh, concerning their involvement in 9-11 for, I mean, years and years and years, like going back several administrations at this point. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I haven't followed the lawsuits super closely. I know they've won some small victories, but had almost exclusively setbacks. They have not really been assisted by the U.S. government whatsoever. Um, the, uh, there was a similar sort of incident with Trump too. I mean, we covered this on a show with Robbie Martin, but part of Trump's campaign, uh, like his actual election campaign involved Roger Stone going on Infowars and basically saying that Trump was going to be the 9-11 truth candidate, like that Trump was going to declassify documents and, you know, get to the bottom of all this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Liar, liar. At one point in the in the blue room of the White House, uh, there was a meeting between Trump and 9-11 families where they had to go up and like talk to him. It was, it was like a weird sort of stilted, very Trumpian uh, you know, affair where it's like uh, one member or two members. Gate. Yes. <laughs> well, they were, it was him and Melania standing in the center of the room and uh, uh, family members would like be in a line and like two would like shuffle out and start <sighs> – briefly talk with them and then get whisked away. Most awkward president ever. <laughs> Such a, yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, God, Baron, there was a spirit of Baron in the room that night. Um, yeah, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but he, uh, apparently many of them asked him like, will you help us in this lawsuit? Like, will you declassify some of these documents, help us with our case? Because that's necessary for their case to proceed against, against Saudi Arabia for their, you know, again, we've covered this, in detail on the podcast, but the, you know, their suit against the, 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 you know, Saudi Arabia, why the U S government, which also helped perpetrate nine 11 would do that. I mean, you know, maybe the nine 11 families, you know, I, I, uh, listen, I support them in trying to get, trying to get some, some dough, uh, or some, uh, some measure of justice from Saudi Arabia. But of course the U S is at fault too. Trump promised that he would do that. And then, uh, Bill Barr and Grinnell were like, no, we're not going to do that. And we actually aren't even going to tell you why we're not going to release these documents because that in itself, our excuse for not releasing these documents is itself a state secret. Uh, classic U.S. move. Yeah. Yeah, the lawsuit against Saudi Arabia this year, they actually, there was questioning under oath of Saudi officials, but those depositions are under seal. In the U.S., the feds basically have this Aww. of documents that they won't release. There was some reporting earlier in July um, And this is really interesting. Uh, They say, though the plaintiff's lawyers are unable to discuss what they've learned from the depositions, they insist that the information they've gathered advances their premise of Saudi complicity. So basically, the you know, this is admitting that there is stuff in there that advances the suit. 
And that GID, which, you know, is Saudi intelligence, was handling the hijackers, which is the claim that the suit's making. Um, I want to make clear, too, that, like, this is all information that actually is known. Like, the FBI has known that GID was handling the hijackers since the FBI's own investigation into 9-11 in 2002. That's separate from the 9-11 Commission. Um, We talked about this on our five-part pushed at 9-11 series, which I'm going to plug here, and is required listening as we are approaching the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Maybe it's a good time for a re-listen. You know, get Mm -hmm. ready. Get ready for that fantastic time of year. Yeah, you should listen to 12 hours of podcasting. (laughs) Well, Uh, it's all all these fucking assholes are coming back out of the woodwork, and I'm telling you, it's going to be you know, a hailstorm of media personalities, you know, well, actually, uh, you know, truthers and congratulating themselves on, you know, like I saw that Chris Hayes, um, just like a couple weeks ago, friend of the pod, Chris Hayes, Chris Gaze, <laughs> Chris Hayes on Twitter, he was like boasting about, you know, cause he got famous or not got famous. Mm. He was already like, you know, worming his way up the food chain, a little worm, but, um, he got his big break when he wrote a cover story for the nation, basically, uh, you know, trying to cut down the truther movement and X, you know, you know, excise the truther movement from the left, which was, you know, a big task that he took part of. Um, There's like, you know, it's like annoying thread with like all of our favorites, like Matt Iglesias and Jeet here and all those guys. But he's lazy ass. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was like, you know, talking about it. And it's really weird. He's like, oh, my first, you know, my first nation cover story knocked down, you know, that even the idea that 9-11 was an inside job, whatever. And it's weird because, okay, if you go back and read that story in the nation, like, this is what he wrote. He says literally that the 9-11 commission, he's like, is, quote, something of a whitewash. And then he continues to say that the only antidote to the specter of truthers is quote, a press that refuses to allow the government to lie. I love when these guys like make big pronouncements like that, but dude, like as far as I know, Chris Hayes has never ever once mentioned any questions regarding what he says is obvious, which is that one, the commission was a total whitewash. And like, you know, we talked about this again in our series with, you know, the legend Ben at House Trotter, um, which is that like the 9-11 commission was literally written before the investigation had even taken place. It was a fucking farce. It was, it was like the same level, if not more of a farce than the Warren commission, which is saying a lot like in March, 2003, and this is all real. It's all like well-reported on every, you know, please feel free to double check little fact checkers. Um, In March 2003, the executive director of the 9-11 Commission report, Philip Zelikow, along with his consultant, Ernest May, they completed basically like an an outline. And I don't mean like one of those outlines that you do when you don't want to do a report and you're like, oh, one, introduction, Mm -hmm. part two. First and then argument. a bunch of ads. In yeah, it yeah. Too. Part yeah. four conclusion. Like, no, like a really, really detailed outline with like subheaders and sub subheaders and like chapters. And it was going to be 16 chapters, but the real commission is only 13. But it had everything laid out, including how the commission report famously spends 
nearly a third of it talking about like the driest uh, history of Al Qaeda before it gets into like literally anything that happened on 9-11 or what the Bush administration officials knew. And they did that on purpose, much like they did with the Warren Commission in order to hide important details and things that would maybe get people asking questions. Um, so after showing this outline to the commission chairman, Tom Keene, and the vice chairman, Lee Hamilton, uh, they all decide to keep it top secret because they're like, okay, if this outline gets out, everyone's going to be like, wait, so you wrote the report before you did the investigation, which is what happened. So it was literally like, you know, you know, the outline, and this is according to, uh, to May, he says the outline was, quote, treated as if it was the most classified document the commission possessed, which literally we're talking about 9-11. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how high they were, you know, they were treating this as top secret. Um, so it's just like totally nuts, the idea of like what these guys are saying. And I'm telling you people, like, get ready for the fucking shitstorm of uh, truthers are crazy or anyone who questions the official 9-11, uh, you know, narrative by America a person. makes you, yeah, makes you a Q crazy, uh, you know, oh, dangerous person who maybe should be exiled from the internet. No, no, no. Like... Friend of the show, Gumby for Christ, at Gumby for Christ, um, he's been compiling this like running list of activists, writers, scholars, and politicians, other public figures who have publicly questioned the U.S. government's official line on 9-11 and particularly the commission report. And yeah, okay, that's going to include a lot of people that you are probably aware of, like Michael Parenti or Ralph Nader, Gore Vidal you know, Tulsi Gabbard, Dennis Kucinich, Ron Paul, famously. But there's also a lot of people that you probably aren't aware of, like Jimmy Carter, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Christian Gillibrand, Chris Dodd, and dun, 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 Hillary Rodham Clinton. Like, I'm guess you know what I mean? Like, people treat, people, the, the kind of memory holding that has been done about the conversations and the political and the kind of political atmosphere after 9/11 has is just like completely ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And don't let yeah, them get you down. Yeah. yeah, it's it'll be it'll be I I mean I actually I'm 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 very curious to see how it's going to be approached because I think in a way some of the overtly jingoistic stuff is really mm -hmm. now seen as like sort of gauche by by you know the current regime and all that kind of stuff. And so we will, uh, but obviously, nine eleven was was one of the most formative, was the most formative event of the 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 twenty first century in America, and so I am really curious to see how that will play out, um, and uh, and especially now with you know a whole industry of debunkers and and fact checkers mm. and little nerds, <laughs> uh, who by the way, an army of you could not stand up to history commons. Um, We'll see. Uh, we'll see exactly how that plays out. But uh, but the the simple fact of the matter is is Bush did nine eleven. <laughs> the U.S. government did it, uh, well, along with help from a lot of their friends. And uh, it's it's you know that's not crazy. It's 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 literally the most it's simple and correct answer uh, to to all this. Um, and uh, and also they did the other nine eleven by by running guns through the uh, the Libyan embassy. Wait, they did the other 9-11 too. What's the third 9-11? The Chilean coup. Yes, true. Fair enough. They did that as well. So that's that's three 9-11. Well, truly one of the most people, they love that shit. They love 9-11 yeah. and goddamn DC. They're going to do the next one too. Look, this yeah. is what I'm telling you. Just spoiler, you fucking wait. 
They're going to do the next 9-11. There will be, I guarantee you within our lifetimes, and which will be short because of the fourth 9-11, that there will be a fourth 9-11. Yeah, and we mean that literally like there will be another big event on 9-11. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it will cut short your lifespan and kill you. Except for me. I'll be the last man alive. For that movie, because it'll be the the whole world will be run by women, except How for Grace. A- angry would women be if I was the last man alive? <laughs> like, can you imagine? <laughs> I would like it. You you're that, yeah, you that is the triumph of the Jester Maxer. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. If the Jester truly the actual max of the Jester is to have every other man dead except for you. That's yeah, yeah, okay. I think I would do well in that world by just constantly slipping on banana peels and impressing the succession or succeeding uh like a parade of of women world leaders who are forced mm. to take the reins and also be impressed by me. Just goofing on your girl. One time I was walking down the street uh with a female type uh companion and a lady looked at me and said, uh see, look at I don't want no big nosed baby. <laughs> Jester Max would be like, don't worry, I'm just goofing on your girl. Don't worry, I actually got a nose job to make it bigger. (laughs) Okay, before we sign off, one last thing I want to say about (laughs) 9-11 is if you're looking for a fun activity in order to get ready for the commemoration. Where is she going with this? I would suggest you check out the book Road to 9-11 by Peter Dale Scott. Yes, yes. Absolutely worth the read. It's a great book. And it's the perfect way to get you in the mood for the holidays. Literally, you're on the road to 9-11. Yeah. Get on that road, baby. All right. uh, I can't think of a transition, so let's do Stu. Can we do a ding here, Young Chomsky? For what? For the outro. Oh, well, why don't we just ding. do it? Ding. No, ding. I'm Liz. <laughs> My name is Brace. We are joined, of course, by producer Young Chompsy. Also, a lot of people have been asked about the music. Young Chompsy does the music for all of our episodes, except for the ones where we say someone else did the music. Um, Wait, people have been asking about that? Yeah. Dude, uh, pay attention. Where you been? Exactly. You fucking fools. This is known. <laughs> Those have are you ever not Jester Maxers. That's not ask how you me that again. We also have music by Jamie Foxx, uh, who surprised mm. us with some of his beats. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm trying to think of a musical artist. Well, we got Jamie that Hawks new Kanye drop in. So wa- watch this space. Yes. And also, much like Kanye West, I have been living in the venue for... Why, wait, he's living in like a stadium or something? <laughs> yeah. What's the deal with that? Is he did playing there? Did you see there? his little bunker? I did. I did. I, I did. I thought it was but very cute. I, what's the, why, Kanye why is West he doing that? Mode. Why, can you tell me why he's doing that? So, hold your horses. I oh, think God. that, look, I haven't been following it that closely, but my okay. assumption is that he went monk mode and, and was finishing the album, which I believe is called Donda after his mother, mm-hmm. dear mother. Um, but, I and he was gonna, you know, premiere it at that stadium, which I actually think he did today. I saw some videos of him descending upon a crowd performing uh-huh. smoke machine style. So I I had a bunch of I had some high hopes for Kanye um 
post Kardashian Kanye monk mode, I felt like could be very powerful. But uh, that that room did not give me didn't I make me feel it. so good about it. Well, we're I'm pro I'm pro Kanye, so I I just yeah, I like I like a guy who's doing some stuff. All right, well we already very said our great names. Way to gloss over so much about Kanye's. <laughs> I mean, I that's like a dude who's doing stuff. Elevator pitch for the guy. Um, yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. Uh, we are also, of course, joined by special guest Humpty Dumpty. What? Uh, Kim Kardashian, what are you doing to Humpty Dumpty? We have to end the episode so I can stop this. Pointing, <laughs> pointing to Liz right now. She's just fucking staring at me instead of doing the fucking line that she has every episode with. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.